Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to mini episode 108 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, I need to thank some of our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Raymond Wheeler, Alexandra Trasnia, Neil Thompson, A Happy Squid, Mary, Harry Harsent, Luke Wingrove, and Elena Mazaikite. Elena, now I know that I've butchered your name, and I'm really sorry if I did. But thank you to Elena and to all of the other Patreon subscribers. I love you and I appreciate you every single day. And I have seven spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from March the 12th, 2021. And story number one comes from Amy. Your mini episode, The Wolves with the Red Eyes, sparked a connection and I've been meaning to write in ever since I heard it. I grew up in a house that was not your traditional haunted house, as it was a new build designed and built by my father in the woods of upstate New York in 1987 when I was four years old. There was undeniably weird shit going on in there. My sister and I have had many experiences there and it seems to continue to this day. One of the things I distinctly remember from childhood through my teenage years was this strong feeling that there was a very large wolf prowling the house at night time. I never saw it, and being one of the few things that I only sensed and didn't see or hear myself, I never discussed it with anyone, even when I was talking about my creepy experiences. I can still perfectly picture it in my mind's eye, a large and looming black wolf, more like a dire wolf than anything we have living today. There was also no particular reason for me to have wolves on the brain or to envision one in my home but the feeling and the vision in my mind's eye was so solid and certain that even as a teenager, there were times when it felt like a really, really bad idea to leave my room, even if my bladder was screaming. Still, I didn't actually count it as one of the legitimate experiences I had in that house. Until about two years ago. One afternoon, my sister and I were reminiscing about the creepy shit we had experienced in the house. Most of it was stuff we've talked about before, but for some reason, this time she brought up the huge wolf in the living room some nights and added that it was probably nothing but her imagination because she had never seen it herself. It was just a crazy strong feeling she often had as a kid. I was floored. She went on to describe the exact same thing that terrified me as a kid and a teen. We were both certain we'd never discuss this with each other and for us both to have had this exact same experience was mind-blowing to me. 
And to the person who wrote in with the original Wolves with the Red Eyes story, I always encourage people to go with their gut feeling instead of with what some interpretation text tells you. If you got a bad feeling from them, I would be more inclined to believe they purposefully took a form that you perceived as menacing. Who knew that spectral wolves were going to be the thing that people would contact us about the most? It just baffles me how much that story resonated with people in general. As children were told stories about the big bad wolf in Red Riding Hood and in The Three Little Pigs, so is it, like Amy said, that it is something taking the form of something that we as children would perceive as menacing? Or is it a totally separate entity altogether, like the hat man or the shadow people, that there is a whole separate entity that is these wolf-like figures? I find it fascinating too that it was a sense rather than a physical seeing of something. How fascinating is that? That your mind's eye knows what this thing is, but you can't actually see it. Honestly, blown my mind. And story number two comes from Andy. The earliest paranormal experience I had was when I was around 10 or 11 years old. I'd been bid goodnight by both of my parents and we'd all gone to our rooms. The hallway light stayed on because we were all young and afraid of the dark. I remember my parents going to bed because they left my room straight to bed and I would have seen their shadow if they'd gotten up. I heard it first. Heavy work boots stomping down the hallway. I turned around because I wanted to see if it was my father. They stomped down the hallway until I could see the shadow under my door. They turned to my door and stopped. They stood there, standing in front of a closed door, and then they turned and stomped away. It scared me because my father took his boots off at the door when he got home, and for anyone to be awake, I would have heard them open the door and walk down the hallway as well as seeing their shadow. Not long after that, in the same house but later at night when I was falling asleep. My bed was in the corner, with only one side and the foot of the bed not against the wall. I had my back turned to the wall and drifted off, when I felt a sharp poke on my back. I turned quickly and saw nothing. The only thing behind me was pillows and blankets. Nothing was in my bed that was sharp enough to poke me like that. It was strange and I still remember the dread I felt trying to get back to sleep. This last story that I have is from my grandmother. She worked at a place that made prosthetics for elderly people. They had a diligent worker who loved all of his patients and genuinely loved his job. He died and began to haunt the building. The oven in the back was industrial-sized, and when it had to be opened, you had to use considerable force. My grandmother reported the door slamming shut on multiple occasions, an otherwise impossible task. Other things like cups flying across the break room and the refrigerator door being flung open and shut were terrifying to me, but my grandmother just laughed it off. She used to acknowledge his spirit, saying, David, you silly old man, stop scaring the children. He would stop and leave us alone for the rest of our visits amazing my younger sisters and I that my grandmother could control ghosts. The shadow under the crack in your door is such a primal fear for me. Like it's such a childhood fear. 
where you used to think, oh my God, what if I saw somebody standing on the other side of my door? And as an adult, like living on their own, my house isn't haunted or, you know, there's nothing, nothing untoward about it whatsoever. But sometimes I think I need to stop sleeping with the whole light on because that light under my door makes me think, what am I going to do if I see a shadow standing there? Like, what am I going to do? It's such a scary thing to have happened. And to hear something stomping down the corridor as well, like in work boots. That's a lot. Your grandmother also sounds like an incredible woman with exactly the right attitude to just accept the fact that this ghost is the ghost of a man who is there because he loved his job in life and therefore it's okay to not be frightened of him, to just say, okay, stop it now. You're being very annoying. And I too would have thought, my God, she can control the dead. (laughs) As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And story number three comes from Kayla. So when I was about five or six, this happened to me. I'm the only girl of four kids. With being the only girl, I had a room to myself all my life. Growing up, that was hard because I was a scared little child. I always had to sleep with a nightlight on and my Hello Kitty radio on playing music. There were many nights I would sneak into my older brother's rooms to sleep with them. I also had an issue like most children do. I couldn't wake up in time to use the bathroom in the middle of the night so I would sneak into their rooms to sleep in dry sheets. Anyways, one night my mother was out late with her friends and I'd gone to my brother's room to sleep on the bottom bunk. I was a mommy's girl so I laid there crying because I wanted her. So as I laid there crying, I felt arms wrap around me from behind. It didn't scare me one bit. If anything, it calmed me down and soothed me. I was able to calm down enough to almost fall asleep when I heard movement downstairs. I got up and went downstairs to see my mom had returned. I told her the story years later as an adult. Her and I both believe it was an angel. Regardless of what your beliefs are, 
I choose to believe that it was God sending an angel to calm a crying child and it brings me much comfort. I wish that angel would hug me when I'm having rough days now. But then again, my mom is always there when I need her. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am happy to believe that we all have a guardian angel somewhere. And story number four comes from Boaz. I was in my junior year of high school and I was dating this girl, Jasmine. She was a year older than me and was super into spirits and the afterlife and all of that jazz, which in turn made me really intrigued with the subject. Before I met her, I had zero knowledge on any of this stuff, so all of it was very new to me. I'm sorry I didn't listen to your podcasts back then, but don't worry because now I know not to mess with it. But one night, Jasmine, her friend Alex and I, played with a Ouija board in a shed in her backyard where her mom collected antiques and random things. It was a very creepy shed because there were plenty of Halloween decor and statues and whatnot so you can imagine what it would be like in the darkness with just a candle lit on a Ouija board. My heart is actually starting to pound a little bit typing this just as a fun fact. But surprisingly enough in this very sinister feeling shed we didn't get anything. I'm pretty sure the candle flame was flickering, but that was literally it. There was nothing else that happened. I should also note that Jasmine had a lot of knowledge of this kind of thing and knew the proper ways to handle a Ouija board and open and close it and all of that. Even though I think the best way to use a Ouija board is not to. So skip forward a week or so and it's my friend Daniela's birthday. There were about seven or eight of us hanging out at our house and Jasmine and I thought it would be a fun idea to whip out the Ouija board. Jasmine, Alex and myself were the only ones who were really taking it seriously. Everyone else was either laughing at it or making fun of it or just not playing because it was dumb. After about 20 minutes or so they all left except for Jasmine, Alex and I. All three of us had two fingers on the planchette and started asking basic questions like is there anybody there or move to yes if you can hear me. Jasmine was the designated speaker for this. It moved to yes and we all looked at each other as if in a mutual understanding that none of us had moved it. We had about a two hour long conversation with whatever we were talking to and it seemed to be truthful and honestly kind of nice. It was like a normal conversation with a person At first it said that it was a man who had committed suicide in the attic, which is where we were playing. We believed it at first, until it started doing weird things on the board. It would move from the letter Z to the letter O faster and faster. Jasmine said goodbye and closed the session, but we reopened it because we were all still young, dumb and curious. It admitted to lying to us about being a man, and told us it was a demon that wanted to harm us. I wanted to stop playing, but Jasmine and Alex wanted to continue, so we said goodbye so I could take my hands off the planchette and continue to watch them play. I was still kind of interested, and I kept telling Jasmine what to ask even though my hand wasn't on the planchette, and it still answered my questions before she had asked. Daniela had come up to check on us and sat down with us for a minute because she had become curious as well. When Daniela would ask questions, she would have to go through Jasmine as if it couldn't see or hear her 
but it could still see and hear me. That kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I still stayed. Needless to say, Daniela didn't stay very long after we realised that. It progressively got more and more mean and almost angry and would violently move the planchette around the board and attempt to make upside-down crosses and whatnot. Jasmine would always close the session before it got too crazy. At one point, the demon, or whatever it was, spelled out Tony, T-O-N-Y, on the board. Jasmine and Alex looked confused, and they asked if anyone knew a Tony. My heart sank and I was overcome with a feeling of anger and frustration, and I yelled at Jasmine to close the session now, and I never wanted to touch another Ouija board. She kept asking why, but I didn't want to tell her until we had left. We left shortly after that, and I told her that Tony was my cousin, who had passed away about a year before that, and I was very upset about it. I was really close with Tony, and I loved him dearly. We went back to her house and I told her goodnight and drove back to my house. When I got back to my house nobody was home which was odd because my parents are older and they are literally always home when they weren't at work and it was 9 o'clock at night. My mom, and my sister were out shopping and my stepdad had travelled for business which was just way too convenient for my taste honestly. So I was alone and I got out of my truck and I heard an owl. I've lived there for about six years and I've never noticed an owl before but this owl was very loud and it sounded like it was hooting at me. I saw it in a tree and it was staring at me. I tried to just brush that creepiness off and made my way inside my house and I felt constantly watched. I just felt very uneasy and I was still angry. I turned on all the lights with some music I called my mom and my sister because my mom was very religious and told her what happened and she said that an owl represented the presence of evil and that made my heart drop. I felt the most uneasy in my bedroom so I just waited anxiously for them to come home. Nothing else happened after that but I had an uneasy feeling like I was being watched the rest of the night and was still angry though I did try my best to just chill out. Also, some other info to note is that my stepdad's ex-wife had passed away in the living room and that always creeped me out. My bedroom was her old office space where she did a lot of drawing and artwork. That's my story. I hope it's clear enough. I just really want some input. I've heard of Zozo before and I just don't know what is fake or actually true. So we know the PSA at this stage. Just don't play the Ouija board. Just don't do it. It's not a good idea for anybody but in regards to Zozo so that's been a whole thing since I think it's since 2010 maybe but from what I know of the Zozo demon phenomenon is that it came from one single guy who claimed to have who claimed to have communicated with the Zozo demon via the Ouija board, then all this terrible stuff happened to him, and then he said he looked it up and he found loads of stuff online about it. I'm pretty sure that his motives were questionable. He is on an episode of Ghost Adventures, and it was one of the episodes of Ghost Adventures where I decided that I really actually actively disliked Ghost Adventures and didn't want to watch it anymore because the whole thing felt weird and exploitative, and it felt like there was a lot of stuff going on in that house 
that was definitely not paranormal and needed to be addressed psychologically. Um, so I don't I don't know how much I would believe personally of the Zozo demon phenomenon as it's told in the kind of mainstream conversation. But what did happen was after this guy came out with his experiences, alleged experiences of the Zozo demon, lots of other people came out and said, oh, I've experienced the same thing or something similar. So I don't know, maybe that's, maybe, maybe it's easier for people who have experiences of the Ouija board to ascribe it to contribute it to a being rather than it being ambiguous I don't know I mean in regards to your particular situation we know two things we know that we never play Ouija boards and we also know that it's always owls and story number five comes from Madison it was 2009 and some of my friends and I liked to go cruising around the country roads at night time to pass the time Every now and then we would stop at this old church, falling apart, in the middle of nowhere, and smoke a little weed. It was always dark and a little creepy, but that added an extra element of fun. One time we were smoking and we heard rustling in the bushes. We all got really quiet and listened. We heard it again, but it sounded closer. Oh shit, my friend Mikey said. Then we heard a loud rustling directly in front of the car and then immediately after a thud on top of the car. Oh shit, it's aliens, Mikey yelled and yelled at us to get the fuck out of here. Not oh shit an animal, not oh shit Bigfoot, but aliens. My friend Shetty drove so freaking fast back to our friend's home and when we all got home, we finally took in what just happened. And I don't think we ever went back to that spot nor did we ever speak of it again. I honestly forgot the whole thing happened until I listened to your podcast this morning and it all came back to me. So I looked it up on the Maps app on my phone and lo and behold, it was the same generalised area of the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. I would also like to add that a couple of years ago, my husband and I had an apartment that was built on the state border of Kentucky and Tennessee. We lived on a state line road on the Tennessee side. I would have to go to work super early in the morning, so I'd always be driving at around 3am. Twice on two separate occasions, I saw a bright green light shoot from the ground up into the sky while driving through Hopkinsville to get to work. I told my husband about the first time, and he brushed it off as some military thing because we lived right across the street from Fort Campbell but I knew it couldn't have been because it was in the opposite direction. And then it happened again and I told myself, see, I'm not crazy. If you need a reminder, it's episode 117 is the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter and it's all about a family who experience an alien invasion, basically. They are under siege by these little goblin creatures. Anyway, since we've done that episode which was quite a long time ago now, I got so many emails from people who've experienced just general weird shit around that area. Not necessarily seeing alien goblin creatures, but like seeing lights, knowing that there's like other people have experienced, I don't know what, I guess what you'd call cryptids, unexplained animals knocking around. That's a weird thing. It's uh, like, it's, it's clearly one of those places that's just a little bit odd when it comes to the paranormal. 
And Madison, we always believe you in this little corner of the world. Even when people say, oh, it's just it's just this, that or the other. We always believe you. And story number six comes from Jim. This story happened to me when I was five years old. I'm 42 now and to date, it's the only thing of this sort that's ever happened to me. It happened at my grandparents' house in Leyland, Michigan, a small town of fewer than 500 people in the northwest corner of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, right on Lake Michigan. To set the scene, my grandparents lived in a small house right off the main road that led into the town. The house was surrounded by woods. I always slept with the door open because there was a nightlight out in the hallway that cast some light into my room and made me feel comfortable. I always slept with a nightlight because sleeping in the dark without one made me feel nervous. At the end of that hallway, right between the two bedrooms, was the only bathroom in the house. After a day of visiting with my grandparents and visiting some of our favourite spots in town, we turned in for the night, each of us in our normal spots. At some point that night, I woke up. This was, and still is, a pretty normal occurrence for me. I tend to wake up several times during the night but have no problems getting back to sleep. I was too young to tell the time at that point so I have no idea what time it was. I was lying in my bed staring up at the light in the centre of the ceiling trying to get back to sleep. I wasn't moving or shifting around when suddenly I heard a voice audibly whisper my name. I turned my head towards the open door and saw a black figure standing just outside the door looking into my room. It looked like a person, but I couldn't tell who it was since the light from the nightlight in the hallway was behind it. That made the figure look like a silhouette. I thought maybe it was my mom coming in to check on me, so I said, Mom? The figure didn't reply. Dad? I asked, thinking that maybe it was my dad coming in to check on me. The figure didn't reply. I then addressed the figure three separate times using the remaining names of the only other people in the house. Julie, my sister, Grandma and Grandpa. Each time I said one of those names, the figure remained silent. I thought that maybe it was one of my family members who had gotten up to use the bathroom and had inadvertently woken me up. So I rolled over on my side, facing away from the door and tried to get back to sleep. I realised after a few minutes that I hadn't heard anyone using the bathroom. The door never opened or closed and I never heard the toilet flush or the water running in the sink. So I rolled over to look back at the door and saw the figure was gone. At this point I was wide awake. I sat up in bed looking around the room, thinking that maybe the figure had come in. I didn't see anything, so I lay back down to try to get back to sleep. A few seconds after I did, I began to hear a soft rhythmic knocking on the wall right behind my bed. That wall had a window next to it and looked outside into the woods. I lay there listening to the knock, 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 knock for about a minute and then sat up in bed again. As soon as I sat up, the knocking stopped. I lay back down and the knocking started up again. I sat up again and the knocking stopped. I had a bit of fun with this for another minute or so by sitting up and laying down over and over again to see how long it would continue. I got tired of the game 
and decided to see if I could find what was causing the knocking. I turned around and peered through the railing of the headboard of my bed and tried to look down into the darkness between the wall and the floor to see what I could see. I didn't see anything. I looked up the wall towards the ceiling and I didn't see anything there either. I looked out the window that looked out into the woods and didn't see anything there. At this point, I was getting tired, so I decided to lay down, ignore the knocking as best as I could and go to sleep, which I did. I didn't wake up until the next morning when I got up and joined my family in the living room. I began to ask each of them if they checked in on me while I was sleeping. All five people in the house denied that they had been at my door that night and said my name. That was the end of the conversation as we moved on to getting going and doing whatever it was we would be doing that day. Many years later when I was in sixth grade and my sister was in the fifth grade, we went through a phase when we'd pack ourselves into my parents' walk-in closet with our friends with only a flashlight and play the Ouija board in the dark. I vividly remember one time when my sister and her friends were in the closet and they came out screaming. They said they had seen a face in the planchette when they asked whatever it was they were talking to to show itself. My sister claims she saw some strange things in our house from time to time after that. Everything from the time she saw one of the swivel chairs at our kitchen table turning around and around as she walked back to her room from the bathroom in the middle of the night to different figures she perceived to be staring at her from inside her closet during the night. She said one of those figures looked like Marge Simpson and I gave her heaps of shit for that because I thought it was hysterical. Despite all of the things my sister claimed to see, I've never, as I said earlier, experienced anything like what I experienced that night at my grandparents' house. I know for a fact I didn't dream this because I still vividly remember the details of that experience. I've heard the stories about shadow people on your podcast and I've read many more. I think that perhaps I saw one that night. But if it was a shadow person, why was it in my grandparents' house that night? And why haven't I seen another one since? I'm glad that I haven't though. Because I feel like if I did, I'd be terrified. So here's a question, right? So many people have seen shadow people, have seen them at night time, have seen them during the day, have seen them full frontal as in face on, not nude, but have also seen them out of the corner of their eye, whatever it is. So what are, what are they? What's the point of them? Like, is it a memory, a shadow, like a ghost? Or is it something that is more sentient? Is it like a type of being that exists? I, I just don't know. That'd be something I'd be interested to know if there are people that have theories on what shadow people are. Because it doesn't seem like this one in particular came with any sort of sense of inherent evil or danger or badness that it would it just was. It was just there and it was and it decided to wake you up by whispering your name that night. I also agree, by the way, I would absolutely destroy my siblings if they said that one of the shadow figures they saw looked like Marge Marge Simpson. I would never let them live it down ever, ever, ever. And story number seven comes from Stevie. In January 2012, my boyfriend at the time and I rented our first house together. It was in an adorable neighbourhood in Colorado Springs. Our landlords were an extremely nice couple upon meeting them. Then after that, I mostly only spoke to the wife via text about whatever randomness. 
My boyfriend and I didn't experience anything for the first few months. Maybe we did, but nothing really caught our attention. Our three massive dogs, two Doberman and a Great Dane, loved the home and settled in very quickly. To me, that's always been a sign that the house is okay. Dogs usually sense things before humans, right? So July rolled around. It was the 4th and everyone was celebrating and drinking pretty much all over the country. My boyfriend and I were inside watching a movie as our dogs were extremely terrified of fireworks. So we spend this holiday and New Year's with them usually. Anyway, we were watching the movie and I got a text from the landlord. She was just texting to say how happy she was that we had moved into the house. That she really loved us as tenants and as I read on, I realised this was probably just a drunk text. I laughed and showed my boyfriend and sent her an equally enthusiastic reply. Then she texts back a text that read, All is okay in the house? No issues with the house or anything? At least that's the gist of the drunk version that I read. I showed my boyfriend again and asked him what she meant by that, and he brushed it off and said she's probably just asking about the plumbing or the electricity or the heater and all of that kind of stuff. So I agreed and tell her that yes, that everything was great, there were no issues at all. And she replied, that's great to hear, I am relieved. And that was it. Not another word. Shortly after that, things got a little weird. One day, sitting on the couch together watching a movie, my boyfriend reached over to pick up something next to me on the couch. And as the back of his hand touched my thigh, he said, Why are you so cold? I looked at him like he was deranged, because it was 110 outside. That's 43 degrees Celsius for the non-Americans. And we had no air conditioning in our house, so it was hot. I asked him what he was talking about because I certainly wasn't freezing. And he told me, your ass is like a block of ice. Here, feel it. He grabbed my hand and put it on my thigh. The whole left side of me from hip to knee was cold as ice to touch. Then it started to dissipate until it was back to normal. He brushed it off nearly instantly after making a joke about it being a ghost. But this comment stuck with me. Looking back, I think this might be what led me to have more experiences in the house when he never had any aside from that day. At least any that he told me or acknowledged. But now it was stuck in my head. I only lived there another six months and many other little things happened. Nothing of consequence except one other day in December right before I moved out. I was giving one of our dogs a bath while the other two were hiding in the other room and my boyfriend was at work. I was leaning over the dog to wash her and knocked something on the floor. I bent over to pick it up and behind me in the hallway going towards the dog's room and our bedroom, I saw a pair of man's legs in jeans and black boots walking by in long, quick strides. It wasn't how my boyfriend would walk through the house and there was nobody else there. I shot to an upright position and froze. I moved only my eyes to look at the dog and see if she was having the same fear-stricken reaction that I was having. She was happily panting in the tub, waiting for me to come rub her some more. She was fine. So I yelled my boyfriend's name. Is that you? Silence. 
Then I said he wasn't being funny as the fear inside me rose higher and higher. The dogs would have destroyed an intruder, so I told myself it wasn't a break-in. But then what the hell was in my house? I managed to rinse off the dog and dry her quickly so I could walk away without her jumping out and covering the house in soapy wetness. I let her loose to run through the house like they always do after a bath and she did happily, not a care in the world. I, on the other hand, cautiously moved towards the door to peek out and look around. I saw nothing in any direction, except completely unbothered dogs. I ran to the living room to grab my phone. I texted my boyfriend casually to see when he'd be home from work. He replied, same as always, why? I saw no sense in freaking him out when the dogs were so unbothered. I decided to convince myself that the house had some residual energy that wasn't dangerous that just crossed over into our plane now and then. I lived there for another month and nothing else happened. How weird. Oh, that's really giving me the chills. Seeing somebody walking past the door like that. And wearing jeans and boots like it's not kind of I saw a shadow figure or I saw something glowing or whatever else could happen. Like that's such a definite figure. And I would also like Stevie immediately think oh shit there's an intruder. But then when you've got big dogs like that you wouldn't know if there was an intruder. How bizarre. And I'm going to be honest like 43 degrees or whatever it was sounds like absolute hell on earth. So I'd be pretty thankful for a ghost to be bathing me in a cold spot at that point. So I'd be like, yeah, you can do that. It's really hot outside. Thank you to Amy, Andy, Kayla, Boaz, Madison, Jim and Stevie for your stories. Remember, the last story came from the March the 12th, 2021. If you would like to find out anything about me, you can do so by logging on to com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>